Hello, and welcome to the Gravel Ride Podcast, where we go deep on the sport of gravel cycling through in-depth interviews with product designers, event organizers, and athletes who are pioneering the sport. I'm your host, Craig Dalton, a lifelong cyclist who discovered gravel cycling back in 2016 and made all the mistakes you don't need to make. I approach each episode as a beginner to unlock all the knowledge you need to become a great gravel cyclist. This week on the podcast, we welcome Thomas English from Trek Travel to the show to talk to us about a new gravel tour they're doing from Provence to Girona. The trip looks absolutely amazing, so I was super excited to dig in with it and learn more about it and how it came to be. Trek Travel, since our last conversation with them on the podcast, has really gone deep on gravel travel, building out several new trips this year including one in the Black Hills of South Dakota, an Asiago to the Dolomites trip in Italy, as well as this Provence to Girona trip that we're going to be digging into today. I had a great experience in 2022 on my trek travel trip to Girona and was doing everything I could to join this trip in April. I don't think this particular one's going to happen because of some other commitments, but I'm pleased to have this conversation with Thomas so you can learn more about it. Before we jump in, I do need to thank this week's sponsor, AG1. The last few weeks, I've been talking a little bit more about my sleep routine, but today I want to talk about AG1 and my morning routine. Taking care of your health isn't easy, but it should at least be simple. That's why for the last 10 years, I've been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed with water. My personal preference is throw a few ice cubes in there, once a day, every day, and it makes me feel energized and ready to take on the day. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers a daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. For me, that simplicity is really what came into play when I first started using AG1. I really wanted to make sure that my nutritional bases were covered by high-quality nutrition in a way that was simple to integrate in my daily habits. I couldn't bear the idea of taking a dozen pills and supplements to cover the same basic areas that AG1 covers in one scoop of powder. If there's one product that I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. That's why I've partnered with them for so long as part of this podcast. So if you wanna take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash thegravelride. That's drinkag1.com slash thegravelride. Check it out today. With that behind us, let's jump right into my conversation with Thomas. Thomas, welcome to the show. Hi, Craig. Thank you for hosting me. We're dealing with the challenges of international video conversations today with you in France and me in California. Absolutely. Long distances. <laughs> um, I'm excited to get into this conversation with you. Uh, I've been a big fan of Trek's commitment and enthusiasm around gravel travel. And when my buddy Rich hit me up and told me about this Provence to Girona trip, I was like, I got to talk to someone about this. This sounds awesome. It's epic. So the, the idea of the trip uh, came in about two years ago now. Uh, I was involved in the design because my roommate is actually a, a trip design coordinator, if you want the truth. 
So the two of us got this whole thing running and it's going to be an epic journey. I love it. I can't wait to talk more about it. But to set the stage, I just want to learn a little bit more about you. We established that you're currently living in France, but where did you grow up and how did you initially find the bike? So long story short, uh, I'm actually based in Lyon, France right now. So closer to the French Alps, about two and a half hours away from the sea. I actually grew up in the Camargue National Park, which is where the, the Rhone River creates a delta. It's famous for mosquitoes, flamingos, and uh, bulls, if you want the whole truth. And it's very flat, so <laughs> cycling-wise, it, it gets pretty boring pretty quickly. Uh, but the scenery is worth it. And if you're beginning with gravel, it's definitely a good, a good spot to start. And, you know, obviously gravel, we can argue about how long gravel has been around, but did you initially start as a, a road rider or a mountain biker? That's a very tricky question because I think when, when you start cycling, for me, it was, it was you know, the first key to freedom my parents gave me. I was fortunate enough as a kid to grow up on a boat. So I think I, I grew this lack of, uh, you know, freedom for a little while being being like on a boat with, with parents. It sounds very spoiled, but we were adventuring in a different way, more swimming and, and canoeing out to places. And so as soon as we got back to land, the bike was this this real weapon of freedom and this tool to go adventure and come back in late and get told off by, by mum. But I think, yeah, it was one bike does it all. And I think I, I mainly did mountain biking as a teenager because it was a thing, you know, it was the era of downhill and free ride, as they used to call it. It's taken a whole new shape uh, nowadays. And gravel came naturally because we we can do it in many ways. And especially as a company, I think it, it's it's a trend and it's very much growing at the moment. And it's the perfect, you know, way to explore a new region. And mainly you can just get off the road and go to, you know, access quieter places and places you, you'd wish to go on foot, but you can actually do it with the bike. And it hasn't got to be too much of a distance on the road. Yeah, 100%. It sounds like you grew up with quite an adventurous spirit. How did you find your way into guiding for Trek? I started working for Trek for in in 2019. So this is my sixth season with Trek Travel, and it's an it's an amazing place to to work. Uh, good people, you know the the support and logistics from A to Z. Uh, whatever you get on the guest experience when you call up the office or the guest services, uh, we feel on on in the field and feeling that support from from you know a guide in the field you don't really find that anywhere else so that's one one thing to mention uh, but I, I i kind of fell into it because i have a friend that was a guide a year before me that was the, the one of the first reasons um but mainly because i was working as a field medical engineer uh in the previous life and there is a moment where you want to follow your dream. And I was out there adventuring in the mountains every weekend. So I realized I could do it for a living and take people with me, which is what I care for. Amazing. I feel like it might be interesting to hear what is the life of a guide like? Do you, do you ride all year round and guide all over the place or are you located in France and you only ride trips in France? So that's a fascinating question that we often get from people on the trips, from people outside the trips, from friends and family, or from the first newcomer that you, you, you meet in, a, in a, a party in an evening, for instance. 
I've, I think the life of a guide is, is very much full on. It's a season is, is very long in cycling and it's getting longer. Uh, it's some people would rather do it as a very seasonal thing, like riding through the nice period in the, when it's warm and you can ride in shorts and then there'll be a ski instructor in the winter. So each guide kind of have their, their own algorithm to, to go about it. Uh, for me, it's, it's a full-time commitment. And then I get a bit of time off uh, in the winter months to go travel and discover new places. And it kind of sticks to my, my character and my way of doing things. I like to go work hard, play hard in many ways, even though that sounds uh, very, very general. It's full season and then a bit of time off to, to go and relax and recover and adventure some more. But it, it, is, it is a lifestyle more than a career. Yeah. What does that look like for you, Thomas? Are you guiding road trips into Spain one week and then gravel trips in, in France? How does, how does the year end up playing out? So at the end of a year, when you've already guided a little bit with track travel, you submit a survey uh, to the favorite regions or your favorite regions, your top five, I think it is, um, of places you'd rather you'd like to go guide. And if you're lucky, you're going to get a, a few of those picks. Um, but for the for the main part, you're you're assigned to a region for a, a duration of time. It can go from a couple of trips to a whole bunch of different uh, of trips in that region. We have regions that also cover multiple trips. If I take Provence, for instance, we're actually running uh, three trips out of there and nearly a fourth with the gravel, which will be leaving Provence and going all the way to uh, Spain in, or sorry, Catalonia and Girona. And so that's, that's more or less how it operates. You're assigned and then you, you'll guide multiple weeks in a row. We try and, we try and do maybe three weeks in, one week off as a rhythm. Got it. Yeah. And my, my experience with the team in Girona was that, that between the two guides, they would switch off between time in the van and time riding. It wasn't lost on me that you've got to, as a guide, you've got to be motivated and enthusiastic every day you're out there on the bike with guests. As a guest, if we're tired, if we're grumpy, we can suffer and let you know it. But I imagine as a guide, you're really there to elevate the spirit and never share if you're down. Are there days on the bike when you're guiding that you're just tired? Oh yes, absolutely. And but you don't show it. I think it comes from from an inner part of you. It's that's what yeah. I said by it's a lifestyle more than a career. It's um, we always swap with uh, our co-guides. Uh, so one of us is going to be in the support van. One of us is going to be on the bike. It takes different shifts uh, depending on the trips and the parameters, uh, but yes, you you're always on. We're always on top of things, and you know, a lot of people on the outside of the job think that we are the fittest cyclists out there, and you've got to be an absolute athlete. You you get the training for sure, and and some guides are more into cycling than others, uh, but the the real the reality behind it is we take care of people no matter what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine that's you know I, I see this all over the place, right? You have people who are innately just skilled at being good spirited, being uplifting, and having had that experience with truck travel and that Girona gravel tour, definitely saw that. Like it was more about the experience. None of the riders were trying to show how strong they were as athletes, although clearly they were. They were really there to just make sure we were having a great time. And that's what I think is so great about 
traveling on bike as a guest and gravel travel in particular, you just have a team around you whose sole job it is to not only find the best rides and routes for you, find the best cafes, create the best overall experience. And it is, you know, it's obviously an investment taking one of these trips, but there is a pretty massive return when all you need to do as a guest is ride your bike all day. Yes. And I'll level up, I'll level up on that in a way that I think you come on the holiday to be on a holiday and there is nothing more relaxing, entertaining, uh, fulfilling as when you sign up and you just let go of everything and you just have to enjoy it. That's, that's the main part is we take care of all the rest, the, you know, the logistics. It's not that you're not necessarily capable of, of it. You know, I've, I've caught myself going on multiple guided trips, whether it's hiking or other activities, um, other than cycling. And you, you, you appreciate having the, the local expertise, you know, it, it, it might not be something that's, that's in the itinerary, you know, but, but your guide might know so much about the geology, the plants, or even just the best cafe, because that's where they cycle past every morning. And that's their local, their local terrain or their backyard. And that's where it makes the whole, the whole world a difference. You, the impact of, of that vacation or of that experience on your life is so different when you actually witness it with someone local and you share it with friends. Yeah, 100%. I want to jump into the Provence to Girona gravel bike tour. This is very much a, a tour because it's point to point. The experience I had with Trek out of Girona, we stayed in a single hotel and we explored routes in every single direction, which was fantastic. But as I've said before on this podcast, there's something about point to point travel or touring or what have you that is incredibly special. So how did the idea for the Provence to Girona gravel route come up? And then we can dig into some of the details. Okay, so that also refers to a question you previously asked on what does the life of a guide look like? Well, to be quite frank, if I'm not guiding a trip uh, with people on board, I'm usually bikepacking and I've got the packs all set up on the gravel bike and I'm sleeping outside which sounds ridiculous to a lot of people in, on this planet, but it's actually one of the, the most freeing experiences you, you can get out there for yourself. It doesn't have to be far. It, it's sometimes just right out, right out your front door and you just roll to a place you haven't checked out or you haven't seen. And it is the most, it is the most freeing thing. Uh, and you're also, you feel very self-sufficient. It teaches you a lot of different things and skills where you have to approach people and places. Uh, but the main idea behind this trip from Provence to Girona, and we named it that way because it, there, there are two places that actually ring uh, or resonate to cyclists, uh, whether they're roadies or already very much gra accomplished gravel riders. Uh, it was the first point to point that we, we were thinking of putting in the book. It's based on a, a, race, called, a race route called La Poco Loco that came together, I think, in 2019, and it's varied tracks uh, since then. But that's what really inspired me initially. And I had ridden portions of it in a, in a few bits and pieces and on different holiday times. And this was the perfect this was a perfect opportunity to actually start from one point, go all the way and see if we can actually make it work with hotels and accommodations and places to check out. Sounds super special. What is, I imagine over the course of that Provence to Girona, the terrain is going to vary quite wildly. 
Can you talk through a little bit, and if it's helpful to talk through the the various nine days, just what is gravel like in Provence, and how does it change over the course of those nine days? So I can give you a, a global overview of of the trip if you want, not to go into too much detail because nine days is is quite epic, and and you do see a lot. But I, I do want to say that I grew up in in the area where we begin the trip in. So you know, I remember I remember being in in my youth, in my young age, and teenager, and adventuring here and there at the weekends, and putting all these things together in the culture of the south, because it's it's a very strong culture in the south of France, and this the the, the landscape had me stop and take many pictures of a place that I've you know I've grow I've I grew up in. You you get accustomed to seeing these things on a regular basis, and coming back to it a few years later. It stops you. You're you're blown away by the beauty of summer scenery. And when I say that, is on the first day, for instance, we will start the trip and we'll greet everybody uh, right by the a bit of a it's a it's a swampland where it's famous for ornithology for bird watching, uh, just south of Montpellier. So imagine a huge city, all buzzing and whistling and noisy, and you know just the heart of a big city, and you just escape. We greet you in this, you know, you just come off the train or come out of the airport and we greet you in this really quiet bird sanctuary with a nice French buffet, you know, proper Provence. There might be some rosé involved for those who, who want to start with that, um, giving you a few, <laughs> a few, a few bits and knots about the culture and the area you're in. And throughout those first 60 Ks, which is quite a, quite a bit for a first day, you get to see everything. So much variety from, from the sea, the sea, the salt flats, to the hills, a, a bit of vineyards here and there, and the and the pine forests. I mean, you, you, I can't wait to see the smiles on people's faces when we reach the hotel after the first day. Sounds like an amazing start. It, it is, it is. So, as I was saying, we we did the re we did the research with my roommate, who's a who's a trip design coordinator, and she's not from the region, but both of us were like kids, and you know, it's it's. The, the joy and the accomplishments of bringing something together that actually works out and to see the, the, the versatility, the, how versatile the, the, the bike actually is on different terrains. You, you ride a bit of, you know, open forest road to single track. Um, and all this under, under the blue Provence skies because, you know, there's, it is subject to a bit of wind from the north. Um, La Tramontagne or the Mistral for the east as you go. It's, it's, it's just superb. It's just an area of, of France that is very underestimated because it's it's usually some some somewhere between a place you just drive through to get to Spain or you just go to Montpellier or like a few uh, places on the coast. But people don't really stop on these on the, in these areas. So we've got these beautiful barren landscapes in in some part of the trips that are just untouched. Not no cyclists. You just it's just epic adventure. Yeah, I think that's what's mind-boggling to me when I think about this trip is just the the versatility of the gravel bike. You know, it's easy to maybe to conceive of a point-to-point ride on a road bike and you're sort of following a map, but traveling onto these single track trails and just kind of getting off the beaten path just adds this additional layer of intrigue and joy, I think, on each day's ride. And and I think we we call, you know, the the inner child in our in ourselves. Um, I think a lot of cyclists will refer to that, but I think gravel in many ways has a bit of an adventurous spirit. And, and you might agree with me on that one, but 
you know, it, it kind of takes you out there. You're not on a on a on a road. You might be leaving civilization for a little bit. Uh, we've designed this trip so we can always access the the route in in many points. But for the most part, you know, the the whole stress of having traffic and cars around you that you you might have on 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 the road or on certain of our our road trips, even though we do take very quiet roads, there it's it, it's in existence. You won't have you know any vehicles on most of our itineraries because we're we're mainly on on gravel and yes like from from one place to the next you'll you'll see us a, a part of the landscape that not many people get to witness or get to see because it is completely different experience from sitting in a car or, or riding on the road than being on those single tracks in the forest yeah absolutely what do the next handful of days have in store for riders so yes, I I touched base on the on the first one. Sorry, I was I was kind of selling that first day because it blew our minds. So I think it, I like I said I can't wait to see people's smiles as we roll into the first hotel. Um, it is a point to point, so we are going to be changing hotel uh, every day apart from our fifth day where we'll have a, a proper rest day. Um, but the first day we we leave Montpellier where where it it will be more of a, a greeting point. Beautiful scenery on those first 60 k's through like what I've said before, the different uh, sea, salt flats, single track into the forest, up in the hills, back into, into vineyards. And we, we have a, a hotel a little bit on the outskirts of the city um, where the French rugby team has actually been hosted for their trainings, if you, if you want the little, the little hints there. Uh, but so no rugby match on that first evening. The next day we kind of sneak out through a, a secret passage that follows a river out of the city. And we're heading to one of my favorite places in France, which is called Le Lac de Salagou, uh, the Salagou Lake, famous spot for kite surfers and for geologists because the the soil is a bit of an ochre red. It, it very much has the color of grapes. So not to bring it too too close to wine, but that's my French side. Um, you cross the hills and you you arrive on this beautiful blue emerald lake with this this red kind of you know, tar looking gravel. It makes a mess of the bikes and it makes them look very adventurous all of a sudden because they get covered in this little red red dust. Uh, but it's an epic scene to arrive and we're staying in the village that's a little bit on the outskirts of it in the national park called Mourez. And it's very famous for its um, dolom dolomitic uh, rock formations where erosion has just left these huge limestone columns a uh, beautiful maze of that was just shaped by nature uh, and our hotel is is nestled into that into that rock face and there'll be a nice little pool to to relax after after a big day on the bike so like the Salaguen Mourez uh, we go a little bit further up north after the first day where we were actually stationed by the sea on on the third day we leave that that beautiful area in the quiet morning and we hit the hills. There'll be a bit of climbing in, in the morning. And for those who have got an idea of what Provence looks like or the whispers you've heard of the adventures down there, we're going to be going through a few stone villages. Very, very French. You might come across a, you know, a De Chevaux, like these iconic French cars or a market, or we can stop and have a coffee in a cafe. Uh, to cross the plains from these hilly villages or hilly hilly based villages all the way to a bigger town again called Bézier, which is famous for multiple reasons but we're we'll have a nice sit down lunch 
in a very retro French cafe where people are playing pétanque just outside uh, in front of a lock. You know, we sat there and all the locals were coming around to chat us up. So, you know, it might take a bit longer than, than scheduled. Don't be in a rush. There, It is a big day. Uh, but that's that's kind of the idea um, is to actually enjoy the ambiance and the culture as you're you're crossing these landscapes, not just whizzing past. You know. Yeah, taking an opportunity to enjoy the riding as well as the culture seems like the reason you'd be there for sure. Hundred percent. And so that brings me on to the fourth day. So Bézier is a bit a bigger a bigger town. We we have lunch on the outskirts of it by that lock. As I, as I presented. And there, there are famous pieces of architecture. If, if this is what you enjoy in, in the French history, we are going to go past some very impressive monuments that I can state later. Um, and we follow what we call Le, Le Canal du Midi, which is a, a French icon. A lot of people, a lot of French people would actually go down there on holiday, uh, either rent a boat or kayak up and down this canal. Um, it is it is a beautiful piece of French architecture, and the waterways in France are, are famous in the history of of the country for transporting goods. You know the different wars and battles. Why was it separated here or there? Uh, their historical uh, borders as well. But this this third day finishes back back on the coast again after following this famous canal, and we'll be heading we'll be heading the next day, and getting closer to the to the Pyrenees to go to a place called Bilista. After crossing a few national parks and famous birdwashing areas again, um, we'll we'll be climbing a little bit more than the previous days. The, the third day and the fourth day are quite quite big days on the bike, so it's not for the faint-hearted. But we'll support everybody. You know, croissant takes you a long way, as they say. And there's one thing in France for sure: is you you can't you can't go hungry, because once you've done this little you know section of gravel, you come across this little village, and there'll be a bakery, and and for sure. You know, the smell of it, everything just kind of entices you to, to get down there and, and grab something to go. So we'll make sure you try the good ones. And we, there are some specialties of the South that are proper to the South um, that you can only find in the bakeries down there, and we'll make sure you try them. Um, and, you know, it, that fuels the climb up to this little village of Bilista, which used to be one of the main points of interest in, in this area for uh, white wine growing. Um, they, they still do. It used to be a massive cooperative and we are staying in a, in a hotel called Le Ribérac. It is, it is something out of this world. We were astonished by what they've done with this eco lodge. You might be sleeping in a wine tank. Yes, uh, we are sleeping in a wine tank. Um, there are spa and, you know, different treatments you can do all around the grape over there. It is one of a kind. It is a place that was designed by two amazing architects. The owners are, is an amazing couple that we got to meet and had the pleasure to have a, a nice glass and a sit down conversation with. And they really have, you know, an ambiance about this, this whole environment that they created, the team that they put together. They still have a part of um, the cellar that is functional that uh, gathers most of uh, the winemakers of the area as a cooperative, and the wine the wine is delicious down there. The the riding up will maybe annoy a few, maybe you know, make others enjoy the adventure twice as much. Um, 
you know, we all come at a different at a different place when it comes to climbing on a bike. But that's a, a good place to finish day four solid before a rest day. And we are we are entering what we call Pays Qatar, which was the, the scene of multiple combats between uh, what used to be the, the Spanish Empire and France <laughs> at the time. And, you know, these perched castles up on the hills, this limestone rock face and this little tower up top with a with a with a Catalan flag. And, it, and the border changed so many times in the past, you know, hundreds of years or decades that it's it's just very interesting to see the cultural changes throughout the trip because you go from a very Provence French uh, south, south of France part with all its influences and its culture and this, the food evolves as you go down the coast getting closer to Spanish influence and you know the way people talk and behave and oh it's just it's just superb you, you get to see that even with a foreign eye I think yeah, it's so interesting to see and hear that not only will the terrain change, but you'll get these subtle changes in culture across the nine days, uh, changing from the south of France culture to the Catalan culture at the end. Absolutely. And and if you've been to Girona, as I've heard, you, you've experienced that, that part of the culture and, and, you know, cycling, cycling is international. It's, it is a universal language. Um, uh, there is a bike in every country you go to, and that's that's not a lie. That's the truth. But the the culture that comp you know comes with it, maybe the French and the Spanish or the French and the Catalan don't necessarily see the bike in the same way. You know, maybe the French will use it as a commuter to go get their fresh baguette from the bakers in the morning, whereas Catalan people will use it to go from you know place to place. Or for every, there's a, there's always a a different use for it. Um, but this 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 area we're going to is not famous for you know holiday and it's it's not overcrowded we're we're really taking you on on the unpaved uh this is a proper adventure um we're taking all these these detours to get to Belista, um which is definitely definitely one of my one of my crushes for um, for this trip because We'll have a rest day in that little village. We'll probably have awesome activities to go enjoy off the bike uh, for those who want to. You also have the opportunity to, you know, relax because we do come, we do cover between 350 kilometers and 400 kilometers over the first four days. It, it is a pretty high level trip. We, we classify it as avid. So not to be intimidated by it, it does require quite a bit of, you know, physical preparation and, and a good level of, of riding. Uh, but the, but the, the technicity of the gravel stays, stays very accessible in, in many ways. And it's all about how, if you're okay with adventuring the whole day on the bike, you'll, you'll enjoy the trip very much. The same as we did. My, my roommates, um, uh, actually used, uh, Damani Plus, which is the e-assist version of our gravel bike. And she absolutely loved it. And, you know, we have very different levels of cycling, the two of us, but we kept it together and, you know, it's it's just very complimentary. You get to enjoy the adventure together. So a big rest day on day five uh, to recover from, you know, four days of adventuring already. Uh, there's a pool at the hotel. It's an eco lodge. So they have all these amazing green certifications. We we do a great job at Trek Travel at, at building relationships with the people we work with because I don't see us as a big tour operator where we just walk in, you know, give our standards and and then, you know, move on to the next season. 
or go somewhere else the next season. We we do build these relationships, and I think uh, you feel it on trip with us if you've traveled with us before. You you get to appreciate all the little details that we look into. We always try and better um, the experience. You know, when you when you arrive in Bethesda, I can tell you already, Raquel, who's uh, actually from Madrid originally, who's just fallen in love with that region. Yeah, that's so special. As you were mentioning before, I mean, one of the really exciting parts of getting a guided tour is having these locals who can show you the ins and outs of the local area and the hot spots and the great riding. Phenomenal. So it sounds like at this point you're up for a rest day. A hundred percent. Yes. It's it's just it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a you know not a resurrection, but it will be it will be one of those that you actually need to push on. For sure, and and we'll see if people are up for activities. But I'm I'm already guaranteeing a lot of people will stay back and say, we need a day to just relax and recover and prepare for the, the next four. But but we, on the fifth day, we we start tackling the Pyrenees. We'll be going through what we call the this this the circus. It's um it's this beautiful uh, ochre lime um formation rock formation facing Canigou, which is one of the highest peaks uh in this part of the pyrenees so you can you can see this this dark mountain in the background uh slowly getting closer and you've got all these different rock formations that we're snaking through to and getting closer and closer to the mountain we'll be staying in in an old um spa and treatment um uh, facility area on on the night of day six uh to tackle col d'ares on day seven so if you if you if you if you've had too much gravel over the the first six days, don't don't worry. We've got you covered with a bit of pavement just to just to rest uh, a little bit from gravel on on day seven because Col d'Ares is is definitely a stinger as we call it in 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 the area. Um, it is a bit of a steep one for 13, 13 kilometers, and we do have a section of gravel for those who who want to keep the trend going. Uh, it is the base of it is this beautiful medieval town where will offer a bit of a treat and you know a bit of a quick snack if people want to start tackling the climb on a on a a bit of a light bite and once you reach the top it can be it can be two two rooms two ambiance as we say in french um it can either be beautiful and sunny or uh, as it was when we were up there uh, last fall quite miserable and windy uh, but the views on the pyrenees that you get from up there no matter what are just absolutely stunning and you descend all the way to this catalan village after crossing the, the border um called Camprodon, famous for its beautiful stone arch bridge and from there we are in catalonia and the the following day day eight takes us along the vies verdes uh which is an old rail to trail uh all reconverted um it is part of the Pyrenexus, if you've heard and followed some of the racing across the Pyrenees. So we are going to be like using some of these tracks. And it's beautiful, what we call Cadillac gravel. It's very nice, you know, small, compact limestone. It takes you all the way back into the mecca of cycling today, Girona. And you will definitely feel the Catalan countryside. If you've been on the Girona gravel trip, you know what I'm referring to, but you will... You will smell, you will, we say you will taste because usually you have a bit of stuff on your water bottle and we have the tips for you there. Um, 
but it's it's you 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 get a second country on on this trip and it hits you like like a like a day ride i don't know how to how to say it in any other way you cross this border and you're 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 in catalonia and on these gravel paths just um you know flying along along the via verde you you enter girona from from the back the back door and we are we will be staying at hotel nord which i think you say that on our on our trip there um which is the perfect you know little nest in into the city and yeah i think it's a good it's a good way to to go from from the south of france provence specific architectural types all the way into a completely different culture a completely different you know language accents influence uh, but you you'll you'll get to you'll get to feel the connection between the two countries between that border that's been distorted over the years and the centuries um you'll def- you'll definitely get that cultural aspect of the trip because we we felt it as we were as we were prepping it and we have a a, a, a nice last day ride uh, just to to spin the legs more more or less um before we say farewell and that's a a good way to a good way to then spend a bit of time in Girona if you want to stay in Girona or head towards Barcelona which is another great city to explore after Montpellier in France um this yeah this trip kind of starts and finishes in in two really cool points of interest as well which is another good reason to to come and join this adventure amazing anything else you'd like to add about the trip before we go you know you create some pretty special bonds over nine days uh, sometimes it is over the rest day sometimes it's straight off the first day um, we are going to be riding these amazing checkpoints SLR 7 a top top end uh, gravel bike on 45c tires which is very comfortable but after after eight days of proper riding you'll probably be in need of a good rest and maybe sometime off the bike what an amazing journey and adventure thanks so much for coming on and telling us about this trip it sounds fantastic i have a love for these point-to-point adventures and everything you've described from the terrain to the cultural changes that you're going to experience over the nine days makes this trek travel trip sound amazing Thank you for spending some time with us this evening, and I look forward to seeing you in France at some point. Thanks a lot. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Gravel Ride Podcast. I hope you enjoyed learning more about that Provence to Girona adventure that Trek Travel has in store for us. They've got some slots this year, I think starting at the end of April. So head on over to trektravel.com and check out some of the photos to go with Thomas's great narration of the trip. I hope everyone's 2024 is filled with many a gravel adventure. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels.